Good morning. My name is Brian Trias. I'm the family pastor here at Fellowship Bible Church, and it is an honor to get to be with you worshiping as a family for Family Worship Weekend. But there is another event that's coming up this week that I'm also excited about, and it's an event that begins Friday evening, July 27th. Does anyone know what begins this Friday evening, July 27th? The Olympics! Someone said it! It's the Olympics! The opening ceremonies, yes, I'm going to talk about the Olympics. The, the opening ceremonies are this week. I am really excited about the Olympics. Some people get excited because it's a chance to cheer on our country. Some people just like the individual sports, like swimming. We have Michael Phelps going for, you know, he already has a world record for the amount of medals or something. He wants to get more. And there's a guy named Ryan Lochta that he's going to be swimming against now that apparently is really good too, and they're going to have a big duel if Swimming is your thing. Swimming is not my thing, but that's okay. It could be yours. You might be a track and field person, and you might know who this guy is. This is Usain Bolt. He is the world's fastest man. He is the world record holder in the 100 meters and probably other things, but he is out to defend his Olympic record, his world record, and his gold medal in London. But there's probably tons of events that you like. I know my wife's favorite event is gymnastics. And she loves watching the gymnastics, and I always somehow get dragged into watching the gymnastics. I don't know how that always happens, but I have a favorite Olympic sport. And most people don't like that it's my favorite Olympic sport, because if I'm honest with you, it's not really an Olympic sport. It it really shouldn't be one. It wasn't there in the beginning, but it's there now, and I love it, and it is the sport of basketball. I love international basketball. I love the best in the world coming together, but I love international basketball because of that picture right there behind me. That is my favorite basketball team ever. And that is my favorite picture of, the favorite, of my favorite basketball team ever. And if you're old enough, you might understand why. Because Christian Leitner's not in it. <laughs> but the reason that that was my favorite team because my favorite player was on that team. And in this picture, he's wearing the number nine but you guys probably know him by a different number, number 23. His name is Michael Jordan. And growing up as a kid, I wanted to be Michael Jordan. I wanted his jump shot. I wanted his hops. I wanted his shoes. I loved everything about Michael Jordan. In fact, you could say that I wanted to be like Mike. <laughs> Sometimes I dream I wanted to be like Mike. You'll never believe after this commercial began airing, Gatorade consumption went up astronomically in my house. If you came and watched me play one of my epic games of junior high basketball, my mom would yell, put your tongue in your mouth! 
I wanted to be Michael Jordan. I wanted to be everything like him. I wanted his shoes. I wanted his shot. I wanted to be like Mike. And unfortunately, I was the last one to get the memo. I was not going to be like Michael Jordan. You look at me and you go, you should have gotten that a lot sooner. (laughs) But I got good news for us this morning. That the one who created Michael Jordan, the one who gave him his jump shot and his hops and his ability to play basketball on a level that no one else ever will. Don't talk to me about Kobe Bryant. (laughs) Has given Michael Jordan a challenge. He's given me a challenge. He's given you a challenge. And that challenge is not to be like Mike, however catchy that is. It's to be like Christ. And while I can never be like Mike, I can be like Christ because it is God's will for my life. Our first passage we're going to be in this morning, we're going to be in three, but the first one is found in the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 29. And it's a verse we talk about often here. It's going to be on the screen if you did not bring a copy of God's word with you. But it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We were chosen. We were foreknew. We were called into salvation. And the reason we were called into salvation is so that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. We are called to look like Christ. And while I can never be like Mike, apparently God has made it so that I can be like Christ. But there's a next little part of that sentence, one that's easily forgotten after such great words is conformed to the image of his son. It says, in order that. And those little words, when you see that, it's going to explain something. Why we are, be to, we are, why are we are to be conformed to the image of his son? In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, the firstborn in that culture was elevated. He had a higher position, a higher role. He was given the first chunk of the inheritance. It was an elevated position that was given great esteem and worth and dignity. And when we are conformed to the image of the Son, we give him his proper place. And so we are called to be like Christ. Well, a vague statement like that requires some explanation. What does it mean to be like Christ? And I want, to turn, I want you to turn with me to our second passage this morning. The book of Mark, chapter 10, the second of the Gospels. Mark, chapter 10, the book of Mark is about Jesus as servant. It is how he is portrayed in 1045 is probably the pinnacle verse of that. Mark 1045 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I am not a betting man, but if I were to place a bet, this is one thing I would bet on. That if you had a favorite athlete or someone from your favorite team come to your house, maybe you're a KU Jayhawk or your K-State Wildcat and your favorite player coach were to come to your house, maybe we need to go a little higher than that. Maybe if your favorite actor or actress or musician came to your house or what if we even went a little bit larger what if we had a king come to your house you know what I would bet on I would bet that your house would be spick and span 
I bet you'd get out the fine china. You'd get the best meal you could possibly get. You would make sure your kids were well-dressed and had everything put away because you would want to serve this person well because you looked at them as someone great and you want to take good care of them. And there's something about us that when we see someone who we view as a higher rank or high status, we want to take care of them. We want to serve them well. And here we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the the ruler of all creation who came down to earth and became one of us. And if he demanded to be served, it would be understandable. But he didn't. He didn't come down and demand to be served. He came down and immediately started to give. He began to heal. He began to feed. He began to teach and encourage and exhort. And he used all of his gifts and he poured them out on crowds. He poured them out on the disciples. He poured them out on Peter, James, and John. But the rest of this verse lets us know his ultimate act of service and to give his life as a ransom for many. That perfect righteous life that he had given, he gave that righteousness to us and he willingly took our sin so that our penalty could be paid. And when we trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that we are set free from sin, we are set free from death, and we are set free to be like Christ. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest act of service this world has ever seen. And if we are called to be like Christ, it means we are called to be servants. We're called to serve. And so now I need your help, okay? I need your participation. I need to make sure you're still, you're still tracking with me. And we got a big crowd in here, and so you're going to need to be loud, okay? And so we're going to split the crowd in half. we got this side on one, and we got that side on the other. And right now, when I point to you guys, I need you to repeat back to me something. I need you to repeat back to me, saved people, okay? Saved people. You ready? Ready? Okay. Awesome. Beautiful job. All right, you guys, different words. Just two of them, though. Serve people. You ready? Serve people. All right. You guys completely now understand what we do at Super Kids Super Camp. <laughs> but now you guys are going to remember that. The reality is that saved people serve people. What it looks like to be like Christ, we're going to be servants. There's lots of things that we could talk about. There's a lot of elements to be like Christ, but service is such an important one because it is what Jesus did. It was who he was. And so we need to look at what it looks like to serve. And so I invite you to turn with me to our final passage this morning. We're going to be in the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And we're going to understand a little bit about how each one of us is to serve. Starting with verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very very grace. Now, I am not asking you for your participation in this one, but if I were to, 
And if I were to say, if you have trusted in the gospel of Christ, you believe he is the son of God and he died on the cross for your sins and he rose to new life so that you could have new life with him eternally in heaven. And I were to say, stand up. I imagine we'd have a, a, a pretty good number of people who would stand up. And I can look at you and I can say without a shadow of a doubt that each one of those people who have stood up have a spiritual gift. Now, I I don't know what it is. I can't look at each of you and just start pegging what they are. But I know you have one. How do I know that? It says so right there in the Bible. As each has received a gift. Now, everyone in this world has been given some talents and some skills and some abilities. In God's common grace, he has not left us just to fend for ourselves. He has given us these things. But if you are a member of the body of Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit is growing and, 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 and building inside of you. But why? Why have you been given a spiritual gift? The very next phrase, use it to serve one another. You see, we can often get caught up that our spiritual gifts are about us. And we can love what our spiritual gift is. And I love that I'm really good at doing this. Or I'm really good at doing that. Or I could go home and I could check my box. And I have served. And we could feel good about ourselves. And yes, there is a benefit to that. It is awesome to see God working through you. And it is awesome to know that you are fulfilling a role in the kingdom. But the reason we serve has nothing to do with ourselves. The reason we serve is for one another. We have been given a spiritual gift to benefit one another. And so you can look around this room and you can look around this city and we have been given a spiritual gift so that we can make a difference for God's kingdom. The last phrase in verse 10 says, as good stewards of God's very grace. And we have to wrestle with the fact that we are not guaranteed anything that we weren't even guaranteed salvation. We don't even deserve that God would have grace to save us, but yet he did. And we are so thankful for that. But he didn't stop there with the blessings. Not only did he save us, he gave us a gift. And he didn't give us a gift so that we could bury it. He gave us a gift so that we could take it and use it to serve other people. We want to be a good steward of God's grace. We don't want to bury it in the sand. And then in verse 11, Peter explains how we're going to use this and why we're going to use this. He said, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, if your gift is the gift of speaking, you need to take it seriously. You are speaking on behalf of God. You are communicating God's word. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. One of the things that scares people from service is, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I have it in me to step up into that role. I feel a leading. I feel God doing something within me to step up and to lead and to step up and to teach and to step up and to greet and to do all these different things. But I just don't know if I have what it takes. God says, of course you don't have what it takes. But I do. One who serves by the strength that God supplies. And something happens within us when we step up to the plate and we obey. God comes alongside us and gives us the strength, the power, the wisdom, and the grace that we need to accomplish that task that he has called and set out for us to do. But why? Why is this the way that God has chosen to do things? Well, we get those little three words again. In order that. 
in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And we understand that we are called to serve not for our own glory, not for our own reputation, but we are called to serve because it gives God great glory. It gives God great worth. It puts God in his right place, exalted above all else. We serve for him. We serve as a response to that grace that we've been given, and we understand that there is no greater thing in life than to give back to this one who's given it all. We can't repay him, but we can honor him by serving him. And when we put the Father in his right place and we give glory to him, we're being like Christ. And when we are being conformed by the Spirit to the image of the Son, we are giving Jesus his rightful status as the firstborn among any brothers. This is just the natural way God created the world. God created us to serve so that we will look like him, we will look like Jesus, so we could give God glory. But we need to talk about reality, right? Reality is, is not everyone does serve. Not everyone is becoming like Christ in that respect. And so there's two ways this sermon could go from here, right? We could go down the guilt path. And we could put up on the screen, we could put a whole list of needs, and we could say, you know, if you don't step forward today, those first, grade, those first graders, they're not going to be able to have class next week. And we could, we could gut-wrench and we could tear you up until someone says, fine, I'll, I'll do it. But we know something about guilt. Guilt fades away. Guilt's not eternal. We don't want to lead by guilt. What we want to lead is we want to show you what a life with service with Christ looks like. And so we're going to talk about some realities right here. And the first set of realities is what reality looks like for people who do not serve. We just want to call it what it is. We don't want to guilt you. We just want to say what's true. People who do not serve are missing a key component to what being like Christ looks like. We can't argue with the text, right? The text says be conformed to the image of his son. The text says Jesus was a servant. We can't argue with that. But sometimes we don't serve. When we don't serve, we're missing out on something that is a huge way of the way God intended to grow us. But you don't know my story, man. You don't know all the things we have going on. I've got all these events and I've got all these kids and all these activities and I've got a career and I've got all these meetings and I have all these things in my life and it's not the right season for me to serve. It's not the right time for me to get involved because I might have to, I might have to give something up. It might cost me something. And then I read a story about one of our brothers who in the midst of his service, in the midst of his ministry, was whipped within an inch of his life on multiple occasions. He was stoned. He was thrown in prison. He was shipwrecked and snake-bitten. And if anyone has walked this earth and done ministry and had a place where they can go, you know what? This might not be the right time for me to do that. It'd be our brother Paul. 
But Paul's response in the midst of all these pressures, in the midst of all these things that were happening to him was this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I consider everything else a loss that I may know him, that I may be conformed to his likeness. And yes, it may cost you something, but you gain something far greater. You gain that component of being like Christ that is so vital in your life. A second thing you miss out on when you're not serving is you're disconnected from what God is doing in this world. You're disconnected from his mission. Well, that sounds strong. Well, our mission here at Fellowship Bible Church is very simple. It's to advance the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. And those are not just some cute words we thought about for just a little while and decided to put down on paper. This is the essence of what scripture has called us to. God is constantly talking about his kingdom come. And we know that his kingdom is coming and it will come in fullness when Christ returns again. And we know that his chosen way of doing that is by us going out and making disciples and baptizing them in the, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's like a ship captain saying, we're right here and we're headed over here. Are you coming with me? We know where God's going. And if we're not serving, we're choosing not to be a part of his mission. The last thing that we miss out and we choose not to serve is we, we settle for an ordinary life. I didn't say a bad life. I just said ordinary. It's like everybody else. We wake up in the morning, we figure out the problems in our day. We figure out how to get kids here and there. We figure out how to get our work done, how to get our, all the stuff we need to get done. We go to bed. It's an ordinary life. But God has called us to is an extraordinary life. God has called us to a life where we are on mission with him and we are constantly on that great adventure looking for what God has for us next. How can we serve? How can we give? How can we experience the joy that only comes when we serve by the strength that he supplies? I just want to call it what it is. Lack of service is going to hinder growth in your life. There is something that is going to be missing. But like I said, I don't want to guilt anyone in it. I just want, to, just want to talk about reality. But I want to focus in on what is at stake for people who do serve. People who do serve realize that there are some things that God has offered us. And the first is that it deepens our faith and our relationships. It deepens our faith and relationships. When the Spirit is tugging at your heart and He's saying, there is this area I have called you into. I have equipped you to lead with children. I have equipped you to lead in finding hope. I have equipped you to lead in love Topeka. I have equipped you in these different areas. Step up and lead. He said, man, I don't know if I can, but I'm going to obey and I'm going to trust that God's word is true, that He will supply strength for what I need. Watch him as he comes through. And watch as you depend on him for that next step, for that next bit of knowledge and wisdom you need. As you depend on him for that strength and that power that you need, and he comes through, I guarantee you it's going to deepen your faith in him. Because you see how faithful he is. It's going to deepen your relationship with God, but it's also going to deepen your relationship with the rest of us. You see, we have over 500 children, youth, and adults who serve regularly. It's a great team. It's like a flood that we are just rushing forward. 
But we have real much, so much room for more people, not only to serve in this church, but to serve in our community. And when you come and serve and you join a team, you get to know some brothers and sisters who are doing life that you're doing and you grow in a relationship with them. And small groups, I want to challenge you. When you serve as a small group, your bond will deepen very, very, very fast. Because not only are you talking about God's word together and you're praying together and you're sharing burdens together, but you are giving of yourselves together. And it will weave your group together in a way that's unbelievable. Serving deepens your faith and relationships. Serving also gives you a hunger and a thirst for God. The reason I could say that with confidence is because if you are having to rely on him for your strength, if you're having to rely on him for his power and his wisdom and his grace, the only way to find those things is to have a relationship with him. And as you see him be faithful, it just craves you even more to get into the scripture, to talk to him by prayer, and to have a relationship with him. Because you are truly dependent on him. We talk about the L3 journal. We talk about getting in the word daily. And a lot of us would say, man, it's hard. It's hard to find time in the word daily. And, and what I would say to that is this. Man, we all find time to eat. Because we rely on food, it is the thing we depend on. And so we make sure to find time to get those meals. God's word is calling us to that same thing. It is the fuel that will drive us in service. And as we seek to obey in service, God will give us a hunger and a thirst for his word. The next one is that it connects us with what God is doing. It connects us with his mission. If the mission is advancing the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ, and we choose to get on board with that, we have the sense of being something that is greater than ourselves. And we join a team that is just a pleasure to serve on. And it creates in us a great sense of purpose. I don't know if you've ever been on an athletic team or you've been in a, uh, a corporation where you've been on a project group or maybe you've been in school and you've had a, a project group that you've had to do something on and at first it's kind of awkward. You don't really know everyone. You don't really know how everything's working out and how everyone works together but all of a sudden you start understanding people a little better. You start gelling a little bit and all of a sudden you become a well-oiled machine and before you know it, your group is accomplishing, your team is accomplishing more than you ever thought and you go from a team that wasn't winning games to a team that is winning games and a team that wasn't really succeeding in your project to one that is blowing the doors down because you come together and you have this sense of purpose that you are accomplishing something that is greater than yourselves and boy, that is an awesome feeling. But that feeling is available to anyone in this world. We have an opportunity to be a part of a mission that God is doing. And when we throw our spiritual gifts in and say, we're all in, we're going to be on this mission, we're going to be accomplishing something that is well beyond what we could ever ask or imagine, you will experience a joy in your life that is inexpressible. And the reason that is true is because of what you were created to do. We were created to look like Christ. And people who look like Christ are people who are saved. And saved people serve people. So what does this mean for us? What is our next step? I believe our next step is that we upgrade and we use our spiritual gifts.
We have lots of us in here who are serving. And if you are serving and you have found your sweet spot, you know what God has equipped you to do, and you are serving in that area, I want to applaud you. I want to tell you to continue to do that, but I don't want you to grow tired and stagnant in it. I want you to continue to improve and continue to rely on God to be your strength in that area and excel in that place where you're serving. There are some of you who, you are serving in the church, but there's something that's gnawing at you right now. Maybe you've been doing Love Topeka. Maybe you've been greeting, or maybe you've been working in a ministry that's kind of off and on a little bit. And God's been tugging at your heart, man, I, I have created you to lead. I've created you to, to lead a second grade girls group. I've created you to work with teenagers. I've created you to work in finding hope. I have created you to serve in a specific way. I say upgrade. Take that leap of faith. Take that step forward and watch how God supplies the strength you need. And then for some of us, we haven't served yet. We're not here to to, to put a finger at you or make you feel guilty about that but I want to let you, out, let you know what you're missing. The opportunity to be a part of what God's doing. And if you're here and you're in that spot today, I say get in the game. Join this team. Be a part of something that will cause you inexpressible joy as you learn what it means to follow your God and look like him through service. So how are we going to take that next step? Well, I have a little piece of paper in your bulletins I'm going to talk to you about in just a second, but I have a story I want to tell you first. I want to tell you a story about our youth group, our student ministry. We have 200 students who would call our church their home. They don't show up every week, but that's kind of par for the course. We have about 200 who would call us their home. And of those 200, we had 123 who showed up to serve at Super Kids Super Camp. But those 123, let me tell you what that means. They're here from 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock, Tuesday through Friday. If you do that, that's 32 hours. And a lot of us say, that's not even a work week for us. And I say, I understand that. But it's 32 hours of your crazy kids. <laughs> and they pour themselves out and they love them deeply. We had 40 of our students, 20% of them, who gave up a week of their precious summer break. And they went to Camp Barnabas. And there at Camp Barnabas, they loved children with special needs. And they gave and gave and gave them themselves and they utterly exhausted themselves and then they gave some more because they said, yes, God has called me to serve. I'm going to look like him. We have 20 of our students who leave tomorrow morning at 3.30 a.m. to go to the Dominican Republic. And they're going to go put on Super Kids Super Camp for Kids with a Hope down there and they're going to work on projects and they're going to pour themselves out in the DR. But the number that gets me the most excited is 50. 50 of our 200 students, 25% of them, are involved in weekly service in the mountain. They come every week and they learn what it means to lead and they learn what it means to love. <laughs> and they are one of my favorite parts of this church. And it's all because they said Yes. 
And so what I want to ask you to do is take out that little bullet, that little insert that was in your bulletin. You have a lot of inserts today, I understand that. But the first word on the one I'm looking for says, yes. And what I want to ask you to do is to say, yes. Yes to upgrading and serving. And there's some different areas there where you can check and circle and say, I want to do a small group of students, or I want to lead with tech, or I want to do these different areas. And write your name and be sure to put some contact information on the bottom so that we can know that. But I do want to highlight, it says, our top five needs at FVC. Some of you who aren't serving or feel a need to jump in a level of service, the best question you can ask is, man, where is there a need that I can meet? That I have been uniquely wired, skilled, and prepared for that God can come alongside me to lead? The biggest area of our church right now that needs leadership is small groups. Whether it's us leading a small group with our Finding Hope Ministries on Tuesday, leading a small group of children or working in the nursery, leading a small group of youth, or leading a small group of adults. Our church has need for people to say, God has acquired or equipped me to do that. I'm willing to say yes and learn how to be trained. In just a minute, our band's going to come out. We're going to play a song. What I ask is you take a minute while the song is playing and while we start to sing and fill this out. Say yes. When the offering plate comes, just simply fold it up and drop it in, and you'll be contacted as we get you plugged in to what God is doing, advancing the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the great example that he showed us. That he was the king of all kings and he did, not, he did not see it fit to come and to be served, but he came down to serve and to pour out his life and to lay it down as a ransom for many. Father, may we feel that same thing. May we feel a deep desire to serve, to be like Christ. Father, it may cost us something. It may be tough. We might have to rearrange things. Father, may we be obedient to your call to serve because we want to be a part of what you're doing and we want to experience the deepest relationship with you possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.